the Protect Your Neck Podcast, Bellator 215 and 216 Breakdown, Picks, Plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Hopefully it's before the fights, because there is a lot of them going down this weekend. Uh, we got Bellator 215 and 216, which we'll be breaking down on this show, and of course, UFC on ESPN. One, uh, on Sunday, 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 uh, that will be broken down on a separate show, uh, episode 114, where does the time go, and that'll be recorded Friday morning, so, for that, uh, this year's show, we're just gonna do a real brief touch on, whoa, what was that, a real brief touch on UFC 234, uh, not gonna recap it in depth, just kinda... Touch on some results, notes here or there, a couple shouts, and we will be on to the breakdowns. Uh, but yeah, actually, you know, I lied, you didn't see me five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio this week, or even last week, I took Friday off. Uh, didn't go on that trip that I was going to talk about, that day trip on Sunday, that it was too uh, too windy to get out into the water, but uh, it w- which is a good thing, because man, I actually spent you know the whole, the whole weekend and the days off, the- we're on vacation. Uh, you know, just took some time off from the radio. Uh, had to, had to, you know, kind of focus in on the analysis, man. There's just, there's just too much to be wrapped up in the minutia of, you know, reacting to news and all the things behind the scenes that you guys don't see that goes involved with the radio show with, you know, I think, what is it? We have five major cards and I know there's, you know, one FC and LFA. I'm not trying to hate, but we think we have five major cards going down guys within like a seven day span. So Dan Tom needed to make some adjustments, and uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, n- no need to fear. If you didn't see me, that's why. Uh, I'll be back at the end of the week here to finish strong and pretty much back to normal um, next week. But yeah, got to make concessions where you can uh, when, when it's these crazy week-to-week schedules. And again, I'm not, not trying to complain here, but y'all know with uh, Dan Tom and the due diligence he does not uh cut corners and spare the unfortunate wear that comes with that and uh i like to feel like i use lose years off my life but i am doing a bit better uh still haven't found meal prep or anything like that but 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 uh you know so the meals are probably only coming in about 75 percent healthy uh been working out at home clear to get back into the gym but just want to get back to a certain level of flexibility and and whatnot but the personal front, I've actually had some people ask. I'm not just trying to mindlessly interject myself for kill time here. This will be a short episode. But, but you know, whether it's uh, commenting on the sound of my voice, which is usually a dead giveaway to how I'm doing or how my rest state is uh, or health state is or just other things. Uh, I had some of y'all reach out. It's really it's really kind. And I, I feel like, man, am I being fucking just a, a 
fucking push it. Just waxing on, you know, too much and playing the fucking violins. I really don't mean to. Uh, so I apologize if it comes off that way. But more importantly, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing good, and I appreciate those of y'all who who reach 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 out. Um, <clears throat> of course, you can always reach out to the podcast or myself if you have like actual uh, questions or contributions to the show. I definitely don't mind those. Um, I'll try to be better about prodding them. I guess that kind of goes along with having a podcast schedule, which I kind of joked about in the tweets this week. I said, "Hey, I'm gonna." Try something new and try try this this thing called a podcast schedule. We'll see how that goes. But uh, anyways, just want to touch on some things that went down on the other side of the world. UFC 234. You know, it's unfortunate we lost, uh, of course, the main event, as you all know. And by this time, you guys should know, uh, Robert Whitaker made it out of surgery. And timetable pretty much uh, looking like uh, summer, which is... Kind of, kind of what I thought. Uh, uh, just in short, the hernia thing came up. People were like, "How could a hernia happen?" And you know, what was he doing? Was he helping his buddies move the night before? And yeah, it definitely makes those questions asked when you typically think about a hernia. But one second, some water here. I don't want to wax too much because I went on on Twitter, and then I also addressed it on the the, the show. Well, on Monday show at MMA Junkie Radio, um, <clears throat> going through one myself, and not as complicated as Robert Whitaker's. His was sounded like the stuff that I was hoping I didn't have, and thankfully didn't, uh, the complicated stuff. Um, hernias typically happen on that lower region, that lower abdominal region, the nether regions there. I had more of an umbilical hernia uh, up by the belly button. Mainly women have it, really rare for men too. But... Uh, it, Although it was slim, slight discomfort and a bump, it took me a while. I didn't even notice I had it. And uh, granted, I'm not trying to brag. Believe me, it hurts me more often than not. But your boy here has a high pain tolerance. I could totally see how a world championship tough-ass fighter like Robert Whitaker could uh, theoretically sustain a hernia and and not notice it. Uh, that, that, to me, totally makes sense. So he likely had it and didn't notice it. And... Uh, Again, even though he reportedly had a good weight cut, and he's one of these fighters who moved up in weight, so he doesn't have to cut as much weight. Still, weight cutting is not natural. And when you lose uh, weight and then rehydrate, um, if you already have a hernia or obstructive bowel, uh, which you know can go hand in hand, uh, or obstructive tube, small intestine, however you will, you know, protruding through the abdominal wall, all, all these complications can be much more complicated. Um, with that dehyd to rehydration state, right? Um, and that's, I'm not a doctor, but I think that kind of makes sense to us all, right? If you kind of just, I mean, just from, from a kind of common sense basic standpoint. So I guess that would make sense why it would all of a sudden occur and all of a sudden he's thriving in pain. And yeah, you can go septic if something breaks or someone kicks it, which was the example um, that my surgeon gave me as far as why I didn't want to do the surgery. And he was explaining that you can get kicked and it, it's going to hurt. Not only that, um, if you kick it, it could complicate it to where it kind of tangles. Uh, and that would put, you know, uh, me and where Robert Whitaker was with his own hernia, so to speak. And he came in like that. So, yeah, it only made it uh, worse uh, from the sound of it. And uh, also, you know, it was not a good sign when the surgery was three and a half hours to four hours because 
Uh, mine was a longer one, and it was like almost two hours, and that was quote unquote a longer one. So, the fact that he had to stay, and I didn't have to stay in like the hospital or anything like that. And the fact that he had to have a stay and that long of a surgery was a sign it was complicated. So that's why I was, uh, yeah, ready jumping on the four to eight weeks that's cited on on websites. It's, that's uh, kind of why I was putting out that fast. Uh, was kill everybody's expectation, not to be Buzz Killington, but. Just to be real, and it's funny, you know, not the big Damon, Dana White, you know, name dropping Matt Damon, but Matt Damon, it's true, you know, anybody who's been through that that surgery, even if they've had a not as complicated one as Robert Whitaker, knows that that the healing time takes longer than that. Um, I wish I took longer to heal mine because I went by what people read, and it really upset me, because you know, from all accounts, it was you know. Uh, you know, four to eight weeks, but that's, again, that's for a normal hernia without complications. And even that, you know, that's still arguable for people that had quote unquote normal hernia and normal procedures. And furthermore, add on to that, none of us are fucking world championship fighters who have to return to combat. So you're really asking a lot for your body. Uh, you you got to, you got to tack on more time, people. So, I mean, I, I just, anybody was just trying to rush and matchmake and, and decide that day, that weekend is just silly. Fucking, let's just chill. Let's cut this guy a break. Um, you know, I, I didn't really like that criticism. Oh, he never fights. Like, it was real convenient when he was uh, wiping out Jacare Souza, who fucking was owed three title shots. But, you know, the UFC was ducking him. All the contenders was ducking him. Not Rob Whitaker, the small little weight that was already underdogs to guys like Clint Headbutter Heather, Headbutter Heather. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and he goes and fucking wipes the deck with that guy or Derek Brunson when he's on a fucking five fight knockout streak. Goes ahead and wipes the deck with him. Or how about Yoel Romero? Because everybody wanted to fight that guy, including Michael Bisping. Oh, he fights him. No one was complaining then that he was, you know, uh, you know. Uh, it, 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 you know, injured and then couldn't, you know, take take the fight. And they were real quick to go, oh, well, whoa, well, what are we going to do? Well, I guess we could do GSP Bispin or was it Bisping Hendo or at the time or whatever it was. Or, I forget. I'm, I'm all over the I've, I've lost my timeline. Sorry, GSP Bisping. Yeah, but it, point is, it goes it goes fucking both ways. It's all, it's all about that perspective, so... You know, I'm not saying that if he's out past a certain time that they shouldn't move on with an interim and give him first crack. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying anybody, you know, giving Bobby Nux crap uh, should hold back. Even Dana White, who has been known to, you know, uh, throw his champions further under the bus, let's just say, uh, in incidents like this before, was, was saying, hey, this ain't the guy to do that to so that's just my two cents there. And then we had, of course, Adesanya versus Anderson Silva in the main event. And again, you know, for, for a guy who's, who's been wrong, feels like I've been wrong more than right more often than not. I feel like my analysis has kind of really not, not, not been great. And picks, I'm not going to harp on that train again. I've already kind of stated that on this show. But when I am right, I got to be a little bit better about fucking owning it. And uh, for everybody, you know, saying... Oh, Adesanya is going to walk. I was not surprised. And not only am I not surprised, it doesn't it doesn't say anything bad about Adesanya. And it doesn't say anything bad about Silva. And it doesn't say anything bad about the fight. And I, I'm not going to be like, that fight was the fucking greatest. That was fucking awesome. Like, no, I'm not going to try to say that or tell you you should think that. But I will say, I 
pretty much came down to uh, uh, pretty much played out uh, relatively uh, how I, how I thought it would lay out uh, in zip breakdown. Uh, thank you guys for clicking and reading that. Those are are appreciated. Again, for every everything you can criticize the site for putting out, uh, let's give some love to the stuff that uh, uh, we like. Let's vote with our dollars. You know, uh, instead of focusing on the negative. Uh, so I appreciate that and that love too. It does not go unnoticed. So again, tr uh, trying to be grateful here. Not that I have a problem with being grateful, but you know, trying to trying to acknowledge it. Cause I do appreciate you guys. Um, all right, so uh, you know, uh, that was all that, and that was that was super fun, uh, you know, or you know, for 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 what it really could have been. Because let's be honest, um, I'm bumping my chest now, but uh, you know, Anderson Silva could have certainly got iced. I, I I said as much, and I still stand by as much, and I'm glad it didn't happen. But there was that fear. Uh, all right, then of course we had the the co-main event savior. Lando Venata versus Marcos Mariano, and uh, yeah, I, it's always dangerous. It's like, like I said, it feels like Chandler Chalk because he just fights so fucking reckless. You're like, why, why should this guy have this high of a line? He's super talented, but he fights so goddamn reckless. But Venata came through, and and the Chalk definitely saved my ass. If you guys remember what Dan Tom played, now, I'll get to it as we go along. But that was one of the legs, because uh, no dogs technically hit uh, this card. Uh, I picked a dog in the next fight down. I picked Hani Yaya. Unfortunately, Hani tried his heart out, but Ricky Simon Vato, last of the Mohican Simon, uh, was uh, was on point, man. He did what what he needed to. I mean, he he had, you know, it, I, one of those picks where you feel you run the risk of feeling dumb because you you state the guy's case exactly on why he could win, and even backing it with he's got the style to beat Yaya. He's not just a wrestler. Who, you know, in theory, can dictate where the fight takes place, but you know he comes from Gracie Baja and uh, is really well schooled with jujitsu and scrambles, so he should be able to navigate if he could fight smart. It's just I felt like Ricky Simone. Uh, you know, he also had to have that heat of the battle. He also had to be. You know, it almost seemed like it was just part of his 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 fighting chemistry, and I thought that would get him in trouble um, against a better scrambler on paper, but it didn't play out that way. So. Good on Ricky, man. He needs a, a ranked opponent next, I think, even in that stack division. Uh, Montana De La Rosa. She's De La Rosa, but was De La Rosa because she dominated Nadia Kassim. Oh, man. Jeez, how about that weigh-in photo uh, Jedi Goodman posted? And you just see all the dudes fucking suspect. Uh, but, yeah, she uh, she was dressed to impress for that weigh-in. I'll say that. She probably, I'm sure she gained uh, some followers, but uh, hopefully, yeah. I'll just leave it at that before I get myself in trouble. I'm a fan of both girls. I'll just leave it at that. All righty. Uh, <laughs> Y'all heard of fucking Jimmy Crute? Yeah. He's the new Mad Max of fucking Australia. Jimmy Crute. Fucking Mad Max over there. Uh, beating Sam Alvey. Um, yeah, man. Hard, hard to defense found Sam. Uh, wasn't the best stoppage in the world, but it wasn't wasn't a terrible one either. You know, uh, I may sound dramatic in my tweet by saying they would leave the bad taste in the mouth of, 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 of many, but maybe many isn't just Sam and, and a few others. But no, I, I did see a lot of people say it was bad stuff. Some people have more, more stronger opinions, uh, way more stronger opinions than me, of course. I mean, again, I'm not super strong one way or the other. I'm just saying that I, my opinion was that it looks bad, which I think we can all agree, no matter what side you are, it looked bad because 
of just the public stating a Sam Alvey toward Goddard before. Goddard. Love him or hate him, his reputation. And, and yeah, you know, it's, it's weird. You could look at it. Maybe Goddard did give him the benefit of the doubt because he could have stopped it earlier uh, when Jimmy Crute did the walk-off. Maybe that's why Jimmy Crute did the walk-off because Goddard looked like he was going to stop it. Um, so that could be, you know, indecisiveness is really, you know, it interferes with a match that's never good. But then you can also look at it. Maybe he did give Sam the extra time. But then when he does stop it, it just was at a weird time. Sam might have already been recovered or in the process of recovering. But, of course, turtling as much as I'm a fan of the turtle or underrated, underrated position. It's not a good one to hang out in when a guy is slugging on you, regardless if you're in danger, hurt, or the fight's messed up. It's just not a good idea to hang out there. So, yeah. Can't hate, but that's my opinion on that. Uh, Devontae Smith, man, how are you not a fan of uh, Devontae Smith? Uh I know I was kind of raving about him before on on this, but he just you know, yeah, boy, and he just had a great breakdown. He's this character. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh man, I uh, he's, he's 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 like one of my new favorite fighters for sure. And the fact that he's a factory X dude under Mark Montoya, just everything that I'm digging right now, um, for sure. And he even you know beat a guy who has a soft spot, you know. Uh, Dong Young Kim, now Dong Young Ma. And man, I mean, I know he's 30, but he looks young with that Asian face, right? And by the way, I'm part Asian. I can say that. I don't mean that in a negative way. But I mean, man, this is like how many stoppages in a row since he's been in the UFC? I mean, let's look at his last four stoppages since signing on with the UFC, right? Let's go back to 2015. He gets stopped by Dominic nonstop action-packed steel by the slam. That fucking brutal slam and punches. Then he's in that super fucking hero brawl with Marco Polo Reyes where he gets concussed like five billion times before being put out with a left hook. Then Negan fucks him up. Right? Uh, that was bad. Um, we don't see him for a minute. And then, yeah, and then he gets knocked out here. I mean, damn. That is... Per- I'm sorry, I can't give up the walking dead thing, can I? I... <laughs> All right, so Shane Young, man, Shane Young, look at that, what, what a what a positive dude, you know, god damn, love that, it was a fun fight, stealing the rounds, probably took more damage than he needed to, but again, like I said, Austin Arnett, you couldn't write him off, even though I was big on Shane Young in the spot, I also was, uh, you know, uh, saying that Austin Arnett is, is not given enough credit uh, for, for whatever that's worth, and I think that proved to be true there, um, and it's the uh, awareness of... Uh, you know, mental health, suicide prevention, Maori youth, and all that stuff. That was just beautiful from Shane Young. Man. I love that shit. That's my shit. Uh, speaking of uh, heart-loving stories, man. Holly and Paiva, man, for Kaikara France. I think um, shouts to you uh, degenerates out there who were, were, were on Paiva. Um, I don't blame you. you know, that you know, And I had it for him. That was a heartbreak, especially what the guy's been through. You had in that personal story. And I think it's Kaikara France. Fun to watch, although, you know, I, I got to imagine a lot of people are going to be looking to fade him next time out. Uh, I'm sure the bookies will even be somewhat wise. I had to imagine and maybe tone down that those chalks they're throwing his way. And hopefully Holly and Paiva gets a nice uh, turnaround and favorable matchup, uh, probably in Brazil, I'm imagining. All right, Kyungo Kang defeats Ishihara. That was a fun one, uh, for sure. It was just bananas. Uh, 
kind of wish I played the sub prop in retrospect. I mean, it really would. You know, that's what he's going to be working for. I just figured he was going to be safe coming off the loss and control him. But hey, good on that. Uh, Jalen Turner, just fucking ice. Callan Potter, tough, short notice debut for Callan. Man, it's not nice to the older dudes. And of course, we didn't get a goddamn Dan Kelly appearance, which sucked. Speaking of Australian vets. And uh, Jonathan Martinez, who I, I'm pretty sure is on this podcast where I was calling him Pedro, and he makes a nod, you know, calling himself Pedro, which is pretty pretty cool. Defeating Uloti, Baran Ampaya, could not be able to say that name again because he loses like all, all the time. <laughs> I don't think they're going to bring him back. All right. Oh, and speaking of uh, that part of the world, it was in Australia, but New Zealand wanted to give a shout-out to Ben Hansen, listener of the podcast, and of course... Caller, fucking calling across the world into Junkie Radio. What an awesome, awesome dude. Shouts to you, Ben. From New Zealand. Also, shouts to at Molly Whoppery. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel, Mix Molly Whoppery. He just uh, released an awesome one about Zabit Magomed Sharapov. And he kind of he talks about and clarifies, I should say. Puts it much better in his New York accent, whether it's real or not. Shouts to you, sir. Um, stuff that I've talked about here before. You guys know that uh, when it comes to Dagestan, I always talk about Mahachkara, like my sweater, and like uh, regions that are, just because it's a region rich in Wushu, Sanda, and, you know, coming from Kung Fu myself, uh, traveling to China multiple times, training there, very close to my heart, needless to say. And uh, when I would do studies on fighters or write-ups beyond normal, uh, or even just within breakdowns, um, from popular fighters to the Shamil Abdurahimovs of the world, um, it's just always fa- it was just just fascinating, you know, reading Kareem Zidane articles, uh, historical things from there, or just reading, googling my own, you know, down rabbit holes, and just talking about how, you know, reading how, which makes sense. You think about politics only letting in certain martial arts, and um, you see which ones kind of make it over, and it would make sense uh, why certain ones become strongholds, but learning about Zabit's instructor and his importance to that process was just really eye-opening and fucking cool. Watch that. Watch his other videos. Subscribe to his channel. Shout-outs to you, sir. All right, with no further ado, let's get to Bellator 215, the first part of the Uncasville doubleheader. That's right, baby. Uh, Uncasville will lay host to Bellator 215, 216, and, of course, Bellator 215, headlined by Matt Mitchell versus Sergey Kharitanov. Um, pull up that card. I'm guessing Logan Storley versus Eon Paskey was the co-headliner. We'll talk about, just briefly, about just the main card fights on each one. We're not getting too crazy, obviously. Bellator has their prelims for the most part. Unless contract season's coming to a close, um, it's usually just locals to fill the show, get the ticket sales, and get that gate. Sun, just just smart. It allows you to do swing bounce without hurting people's feelings too badly. All right, um, we'll just go from top to bottom because yeah, these ones are gonna be short. Uh, yeah, Matt Mitrione, uh he actually opened as the underdog, and Sarah Karatonov opened as the favorite, which I agree, considering that I picked Karatonov. But I figured Matt Mitrione by about this time would swing to a favorite because of the name value, and it is a deceptively close fight, and I'll explain why. 
Uh, thankfully, that line did swing um, for what's going to be my only play because it's uh, plus money and, and, and the chalk is is chalky if that kind of foreshadows the rest of my picks for, for these cards. But um, but no, I, I pick Karatanov here, but it's a close fight. You know, you look at who Karatanov lost to by stoppage, and it's usually been long athletic guys, uh, especially if they can counter. And Matt Mitchell kind of fits that bill. You know, Alexander Milianenko, of course, and uh, Alistair Overeem, athletic long guys, uh, gave him back-to-back stoppages in pride. Really crucial point in... In 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 Kharitanov's career, you know, he comes in as this fucking he's slim back in the day too. Like he looks more six four because, you know, he's a deceptive six four because he's got this bad and bullish build, you know. But you look back and you look at early Kharitanov and he's just he's 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 a slim dude, and uh, and it's funny like he's pudgy so it doesn't look as much of a duck face and looks kind of more in place with a tough guy. But he almost, when Karatanov, he almost makes a duck face, does he not? Like, he probably has, and if it is, he automatically becomes, like, the toughest duck face in the world, right? Pound for pound. And you can really tell when a slim Karatanov, like, it looks like he's, like, giving, almost, like, going, mwah, mwah, like, making a kiss almost. But he's, like, mm-hmm, like, you know, in his head, he's, like, Arr, he's flexing, but it's funny. It's borderline. Anyways, um... And, yeah, he loses those crucial matches, but he was talked about as, you know, uh, one of those underrated cats like Avov Chanchin and, and maybe possibly a guy that could challenge Fedor, you know, a, a bigger Sambo guy, an ex-paratrooper, uh, or he's active possibly even at those times early on in his career. Anyways, and then the third stoppage loss was Javi Ayala, who, say what you will, he's deceptively athletic. And I gotta at least admit so because old Dan Tom with this part of his stage is uh, headed more. You know, I look more toward a Javi Ayala build uh, than anything these days. No, Jesus. If I keep going, I will. That's for damn sure. I'm, uh, I'm hopefully moving the opposite way here. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah, uh, Karitonov uh, usually does the knocking out, but he gets fucking tagged. He's just so mentally tough and physically durable that he recovers. And he's got that building pressure, so guys will almost finish him. They'll get excited, and they don't, and he's still coming, and they're in trouble. And he's smart. He's not just a brawler. Like He breaks down guys down like uh, to the body and you know with uppercuts. And you saw that in the Roy Nelson fight, but you really see that when Kari Tanoff, you know, starts going to... Uh, starts going to, you know... Uh, glory and, and 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 stuff. He really steps up, and it's really late career. I mean, he's he's thirty eight now, which is crazy. You're like he should be way older than Mitrion, but Mitrion's like two years older than him. He's forty. Obviously, I mean, miles are different, but yeah, uh, you see, uh, Kerry Tonoff, you know, this late career change. He starts training much more at Holland. I don't know if it's Mike's gym or not, but he starts training more in Holland. And uh, you know, again, he's never going to be the fastest guy. He's never going to be. He's, he's always going to be plotty. But he works really well with that, um, with what he does with it, uh, how he enters, you know, how he rolls off things, and and uh, and yeah, I think I think that's what we're gonna see here in pressure Mitrion. Now Mitrion's gonna be most live in that in that first round uh, with that counter left hand. Um, you know, it, it, he seems tailor made for a guy to beat Karen off knockout power, faster, longer, uh, uses footwork, uh, you know. He should be that guy, but if he doesn't find that shot in the first part of the first round or in that first round, 
And then I see Karatanov being able, you know, I mean, Karatanov could crack him off the bat, too. Uh, Karatanov's pretty good at timing and crashing distance. Uh, he'll throw the same time that Mitrione does or try to counter and punctuate off the exchanges. So it's not like he won't have his own chances in the first round, but I, I just feel like Matt will have the better chances in the first round. But if he doesn't, then Karatanov will will start to build. And that's part of the reason why I took some days off this week, people. This is a... Some of these fights, like, you know, with these guys, too, they're, they're guys I never, like, studied before for one reason or another, whether, like, you know, Mike, it was like a Michael Page who we'll get to who was fighting in Bellator to the portions where I really wasn't watching unless, like, people I knew, like Chandler, were fighting. Um, So, you know, when I go now, you know, just this last year, 2018, started having to actually, like, do write-ups for Bellator, Um and I enjoy it. I've become a Bellator fan, man. They've converted me over. I'm not complaining by any means, but it's just like, it's a lot more catching up, I guess you could say. I mean, you can't just go off memory, even if it's like a popular UFC fight, a popular UFC fighter, the body work I'm familiar with. You still got to watch, rewatch their body of work to a certain extent. Not everything, but to a certain extent, right? Uh, whereas I really got to get a gaining and meaning for these fighters and their journeys when I want to have to write about, or even just break down. I didn't have to actually write about this. Uh, I, I thought I was, but I actually didn't have to write uh, anything on this bout. But, but yeah, like Kerry Tonoff, even a guy like I am familiar with and I have watched through the years, but I've never actually had to like sit there and watch consistently, and especially with his way his career went. It's really easy to not watch him consistently because he's kind of just hopped around all over the place. He's just that mercenary that he looks like. He kind of fights like that, too. When you look at his schedule, kind of, you step back and look at it, you know. Uh, but uh, this is this is still an important one for him. Let's see if he shows up or let's see if he uh, blows it. But uh, I threw a, threw a unit and a half of the Russian Bear at plus 100 because, uh, just because I don't know if the, that plus money is going to keep going or if there's other people like me that were waiting for it to show up and we just don't see it again. Either way, you can't be too confident, but now that the guy that I'm picking is dog money, uh, it's a play. All right, uh, next fight's co-main event, Storley versus Ian Pascu. Uh, taking Storley here, I got to imagine he's going to be a big favorite. Is that fight odds on it? No, they don't got odds on it. I imagine he'll be a decent favorite if they do put it on there, but Ian Pascu's dangerous. You know, he's a really athletic southpaw, uh, middleweight, although, you know, you could say Logan Logan Storley. He's fought a southpaw recently, but a, a former middleweight. Yeah, AJ Matthews, uh, former middleweight, uh, and um, I think Joaquin Buckley was a southpaw as well. I want to say uh, Matt Secor just took down a bunch of times. I mean, trains with uh, Andrew Yuft, but doesn't really need to show too much of his kickboxing. Um, we'll have southpaws to look at. Yeah, I mean, Pascu. You know, he's faced wrestlers before. Uh, Ed Ruth obviously kind of fell short too, and um, got tired. He was actually doing really well against Jack Hermanson before he kind of got tired and lost a competitive decision there. Uh, back at Cage Warriors, sorry guys, it's, it's getting late for old DT. Um, but yeah, so I'm just gonna take Storley there to wrestle. All right, other fight on the card. Detective John Kimball, Mike Kimball versus John Duma. John Duma, CFFC guy. Uh, they both have had some regional fights, East Coast dude. Or is Mike Kimball? I don't know where the F he's from. Where the hell is he from? Um, 
I was just looking at his Instagram. The dude looks like an athletic freak, though. He's from Connecticut as well, huh? I don't know if he's training somewhere or not, but ah, I forget. It was a couple days ago I was looking at it. It's hard. He's got a low sample size, but he looks like he can wrestle. And he looks like athletic as hell. I don't know how he makes the weight. Uh, the other dude looks like he's technical. John Duma, like if Kimball's the kind of guy that will gas, which is a little more rare, even if they're muscular like that at Bantamweight. Those guys all seem to have gas, but John Duma looks like a technical guy who looks like he could build his way into a fight if you let him. But uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that, so I'll take Kimball. Um, don't know much about Cody Jones who faces Austin Vanderford, but I, I actually liked Austin Vanderford what I saw on Contender Series. I actually gave him an A uh, because he had to come back from adversity to win his fight. Um, and uh, last fight on the main card, uh, Eduardo Dantes, of course, versus Toby Misic. I forget, Dantes had a, a bigger name, of obviously, but they dropped out, so Toby Misic steps in. Uh, who was on Contender Series. I actually saw his last fight, which was a win over at Bellator Hawaii. Um, it wasn't over a, a big name or anything like that, but it was a solid win for him. Solid fight. Uh, but, uh, Tobes, Tobester. Uh, as much as I like Toby, I uh, got to go with Dantes here. All right, that was fast. Moving on to Bellator 216. All right, Paul Daly versus Michael Venom Page. This is a this is one I'm excited for. Um, you know, again, whether it was Michael Page, who I wasn't as familiar with uh, because of aforementioned time in Bellator, or Paul Daly, who I've been watching everywhere, but he's kind of been a mercenary, you know, Semtex kind of a mercenary himself. He's just jumped around, and it's easy to lose track. Uh, I, I'd be honest, I didn't keep track when he went over to Bama, and and was hard to keep track of him since and would watch him when he would pop up and, you know, strike force or Bellator, but it just, um, it was a real pleasure to go back and kind of just give these guys their, their, their respect, do the due diligence and, and watch back their footage. And, uh, yeah, I spent the most time with, uh, the main events from this weekend, watching back there, not, not really Mitrione, obviously he doesn't have a lot to watch. And, um, I've, I've run Mitrion through the proverbial comb, so to speak, recently, so I didn't really need to too, refresh too much for Matt Mitrione. But, you know, guys like, you know, or even Minikov and Congo's recent body of work, right? Had to go go get back in back in line with those. But but yeah, um So Dan Tom spends his weekends, folks. <laughs> Chris. Yeah, uh, this one was, you know, I was leaning toward daily just because of experience and, and whatnot, if you were to put a gun in my head. But when I actually sat down and watched the footage, ah, man, I went the opposite way. I'm sure my breakdown's already out. As you can see I ended up uh, siding with uh, Michael Venom Page. Um, it's a real interesting style, you know. It's just, it's really just, you take all the experience thrown out the window. It just comes down to two styles and... Uh, Man, Page is an interesting one. I mean, his accuracy, his sense of space and awareness. I mean, he really was born in a martial arts. Uh, speaking of Kung Fu, like, uh, you know, Zabit Magomed Sharapov, you know, this next coming guy coming from a Wushu Kung Fu background. Uh, Michael Page, not Wushu. Uh, I forget some Chinese name I can't pronounce. No, no, it's not in front of me. But it's style of kung fu, um, and that's kind of where he comes comes off of, and, and with his father and whatnot. And uh, 
you know, and then he went into, you know, sport karate and, 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 you know, kickboxing and whatnot. But, but yeah, real interesting. A lot of these, you know, new age strikers, so to speak, and kind of guys not taking over. It's a strong word, but you get what I'm trying to say here. It's really cool to see Kung Fu quietly finding its place there. And uh, say what you will about the karates and Kung Fu's of the world, uh, you know, traditional martial arts, there's something that it does give you. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's the inherent... I don't even know if inherent's the right word, but when you do it, as long as Michael Page, it might as well be inherent. The inherent comfortability and sense of space, striking range. Because the drills, you know, the, the katas, the kempos, the uh, practice drills, the warm-ups in a lot of kung fu classes even, they're so interactive um, that even though the criticism of lacking of sparring kind of like uh, I heard Frank Muir years ago talk about it which made complete sense you know on why boxers are going to be the guy who's been doing karate for the most part uh, because boxers you're not just hitting the heavy bag or even working the mitts you're, you're, you're doing a lot more hard sparring and for a fight that translates better ultimately at the end of the day but that doesn't mean that there aren't useful things from the traditional martial arts side. And what is useful is that sense of space because you're having punches and kicks and all these different drills and angles and facets and ranges. You're forced to do them. Um, you're forced to incorporate them. You're forced to have them uh, be thrown at you. And there is a value with that. Um, so... Page doesn't just have that, but he takes that and now he just kind of plays with it. And doesn't just play with it by playing around, what looks like playing around when he's dancing and shucking and shoulder shucking and driving. You know, Bora looks like offensive, like he's mocking his opponent. But when looking closer, there really is a method to his madness. You know, he's really just destroying all your reads that you're potentially making on him and disrupting your rhythm or disrupting what you perceive the rhythm to be for what he's going to throw at you. Uh, so, for example, not all strikers subscribe to this or believe this, but I've heard many say this, and it's how I was taught, and um, it's not a foreign thing at all. It's not uncommon to hear strikers say that they keep a general focus between their opponent's shoulders, because if you see the right shoulder kind of jolt forward, chances are there's a straight punch coming off that side, if you see the right shoulder go backward, chances are there's an overhand or a hook, something of a hooking nature, right? Maybe even possibly a uppercut if it goes back and dips. If it just kind of dips to the side, like you're looking at somebody's shoulders and it goes, you know, kind of dips left to right like a, a pendulum, if you will, if you can make that visual in your head. That usually indicates that a kick is coming because you have to dip. Now, if you dip and one shoulder kind of goes back, it's probably a spin. Whether it's a spin elbow, a spin kick, I don't know. But again, there's, there's, a, there's an indication there. So with that being said, Paige is always kind of, when he's dancing, you've noticed he's always incorporating his shoulders in his dance. And again, that's what's disrupting the reads. It's what's, that, that's what's the smokescreen behind his attacks. It's so fucking brilliant. It's so fucking brilliant. It looks so simple. It looks so fucking woo-woo. But it works. 
it works. Um, you know, it worked in boxing, although, you know, he looked like he was fighting the Tony Tubbs of the world as well. You can kind of throw that criticism on him there, but he has been steadily fighting better fighters from, you know, Cyborg to Rickles. I know they're not the most dangerous strikers or in their prime, even in Cyborg's case. Um, but he is moving up, and this is the limits test for him. I mean, this is Paul Semtex daily. I mean, Semtex, man, he uh, seldom will you find that guy out of position. He just stays locked and loaded. On balance, weight in the right places, which is usually why he's the one punctuating exchanges. Ready to counter, ready to launch that left hook, but he's actually got some really nice straight punches as well. His jabs and his crosses. Leg kicks, which I'll be curious to see if he's able to get off or attack the legs because Paige's head often isn't there, but maybe his legs are there if he's quick enough, though Paige moves really fast laterally. Um, I wouldn't be surprised for Daly to go look for takedowns. You know, he, he from didn't all the way back to Jorge's Masvidal and shark fights. You know, he's, he's not been shy to, to look for a takedown against a longer striker. In fact, if you look at, you know, if, uh, daily striking prowess aside, if there is a common thread, you know, we've seen him have trouble be rocked, even though he's barely he's seldom ever been stopped only once. By Nick Diaz, I believe, aside from cuts back in, like, fucking cage rage and shit. Um, when he's had issues with strikers, when you see him shooting for takedowns, it's usually longer athletic guys who are as commensurate as strikers, you know. Um, sorry, Jesus. Douglas Lima, that was the name I was looking for. He beat Larkin, but even Larkin, you could argue, was providing some problems in that first round. Um... Nick Diaz, obviously, um, Masaki. Remember, Masaki had him shooting for takedowns on the feet, like in the first round, I believe it was. Um, so it's not unheard of, uh, you know, for, for Daly to, to uh, you know, meet his match, so to speak, in, certain, in a certain sense, to a certain degree, maybe. Uh, it is not un completely unheard of. So there's that, but... It's just the plottedness. I don't know if he's going to be able to set those takedowns or really open himself up because when he has opened himself up, like bad things have happened, right? With the Douglas Lee, for example, he got caught early. He had a hard time recovering. <clears throat> so I don't know if he's going to want to do that. He he knows what Paige wants, and Paige, whether it's through frustration, through fakes, feints, or just stylistic differential, Paige wants to draw him out of his shell. He wants, like I said, Dale Lee is seldom out of position. And Paige needs to draw him out of there, which is why Paige is trying to get reactions to him. And Daly is, you know, <clears throat> like uh, my co-host Ghost said on a recent episode of My Junkie Radio, he's doing what Floyd did to Connor, no selling him, which is smart. And you listen to interviews. Shout out to Simon Head over in the UK, who you know <clears throat> grabbed interviews with both these gentlemen on their last pressers before they headed stateside, and. Uh, and yeah, man, Daly's acutely aware. He knows what he needs to do as the veteran, which is comforting if you're a Daly supporter. Uh, the problem is, will he do it? I mean, granted, it, it was a wrestling style, which seems to, to, to bother him. Uh, but we've seen him kind of lose his cool, you know, whether it's in the cage or out of the cage recently. You really don't know where his temperament lies. That's another reason why I had a hard time backing Daly, even though he was my initial lean here. Um, 
But he seems to be holding it together. It's just what's he going to do in that cage? Uh, you know, can he be consistent in that regard? And will it matter? You know, will, will just Paige not be there? Could it be a boring fight? If You know, I think that definitely could be a boring fight. <clears throat> that said, I'm picking Paige to get it done in the second round, uh, which is crazy when you look at Daly's body at work. I just, uh, I'm sold. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm not sold. We got to see. But, I mean, it's sold enough to pick him, I guess, right? Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, the way this guy dedicates himself and, and the way he moves, understanding of range and timing, I just, I just feel like he's playing on a different game. Like you said, he's operating on a different time zone uh, when these shots are coming. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I just feel like I just feel like it's a I just feel like it's a Styles match, and you have have a have a guy with this kind of a style, and he's long, and he knows how to use it. I'll I'll take that over the technical Muay Thai guy, which is, you know, probably a reason why, even though I wasn't comfortable with it, I, I picked Connor over Aldo back in the day. I wanted to beat myself up for it. I couldn't believe I was picking against Jose Aldo. But not so dramatic, but kind of similar in a sense for a style reason. It's, it's a styles thing. And that's what I got here. All right. Uh, Minikoff versus Congo. Uh, oh, by the way, the, the lines for, for these, Dan. The lines, the lines. I'm pulling it up. Um, I definitely wasn't comfortable with the big opener for Paige, even though I'm picking him. And even now, excuse me, minus 215, that's still too big. I w wouldn't play that. Uh, daily, if you're a supporter daily, still, I mean, as long as it's a plus, plus sign next to his name, I don't blame you guys for taking the shot. That's dog or pass, but my pick is Michael Page. All right, um, Vitaly Minikoff, minus 470. Jesus fucking Christ, it's a heavyweight fight, folks. Check Congo plus 345. That's dangerous. I'm picking Vitaly Minikoff here, but that's dangerous line. Um, that's dog or pass territory. Shoot, if that dog goes any higher, I may just sprinkle out a check Congo out of principle because his one way of winning uh, is probably more realistic than one should, you know, he's given credit for in this line. Um, He's underrated wrestling and sadly made himself known for boring decisions in wrestling and quote-unquote, and you definitely won't have that against Vitaly Minikoff, who is not just a Sambo champion, but has judo accolades as well and can just wrestle his ass off. Um, but Czech Congo, as he's reminded in recent fights, that he still has that crazy counter shot. It's not just uh, that crazy, you know, it's not just, uh, it didn't die in that crazy, I don't want to say fluky, because it's it's not appropriate, and it's also insulting that it was an awesome fight with Pat Barry. But, you know, he showed recently that, yeah, he's still, you know, yeah, that power doesn't go even though you're 43. Uh, that being said, there is a nine-year difference in these guys. But but Czech Congo is the one that's been fighting uh, more actively, even though Minikov's not been in Bellator. He's been in EF. And by the way, this was another fun thing, you know, going back and watching Minikov's fights because then it, it, it allowed me to watch more EFN, you know, instead of like the normal... Maybe occasional revisit of that Fedor Maldonado. Maldonado. Fabian Maldonado. And he is destroying him. And you have that, oh, that great, the commentator who's, uh, he is so awesome. In fact, that he does all his due diligence. But then the way he pieces together words in his vocabulary and vernacular is just fucking 
hilarious because it's uh it's not meant to be funny, which makes it all the more funnier. And then his bias will just blast through randomly, like out of nowhere. Like he's just like, yes, yes. Like it's just like cheering, like when the Russians win or are winning. He's like, he looks like he's destroyed. Yeah, by the way, what's the best thing about the Russian shows? That or uh, what, what's his uh, uh, three things? Second thing is, um, fuck, what's his name? Zorgzanov? Zorgovsky? Yeah, Zorgovsky, the fucking uh, Alexander Zorgovsky, I think, the the uh, announcer. He's awesome, by the way. He's like, you should fly sail. You should fly sail. <laughs> I don't know. He's just, he's just pumped up. This guy's fucking awesome. Or uh, third awesome thing about EFN, the camera guy who, like, Always cuts away to hot chicks. You notice that? They're always cutting away to those hot Russian chicks, which, believe me, Dan Tom ain't complaining. Dated a Russian girl back in the day. Anyways, I, but it's just funny. Like, and like if you if you watch it, they get... By the way, they spare no artsiness in the production. Like, obviously, they have the weird fucking theatrical and live dance routines, and obviously, that's a huge part of the production. But even, like, they cut no corner when it comes to getting artsy folks. Like, even when they're doing their creepy cutaway to said Russian girls. Like, they did one where it was, like, they did, like, individual Russian girl. You're like, okay, why are we looking at this? I don't mind, but why are we looking at this? And then later they would just go to individual Russian girl, right? Then they do one where they're, like, individual Russian girl. And then it does, like, a slow zoom out and reveal and pauses just right and reveals two Russian girls that she's actually sitting next to another attractive Russian girl. Like you could tell like he purposely did it. Like, like what is this guy playing with fucking zooms to show us girls like mid round? Like this is fucking insane. I, it's only, but it's only like Russian or like Swedish, like random, like you start getting like the Eastern European. When I notice, like when I start getting into that nether region of my tape studies, you notice that shit. It's really fucking weird. Anyways. You you would think Lord Honky Humongous is running production there with his. Uh, I see you, I see you, Mister Honky, with those ring girls, with those ring girl cutaways. Hey sir, hey hey, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> Not calling him out or anything, by the way. I'm just I'm just giving the old friendly wink wink nudge nudge. Hey, come on, what guys? It's toxic masculinity on this podcast, folks. Watch out! Whoa whoa, watch it. All right. Um... Moving on. <laughs> no, uh, where the fuck was I? I was getting off track there. Yeah, Minikoff, that's right. Um, and one of the fights, you could tell he kind of took it light there. He weighed in heavier than he normally does, at least in a while. And he looked at two against DJ Lindemann. DJ Lindemann fucking almost made him pay. He fucking knocked him on his ass with the hook at the end of the round and had him doing like, uh, it looked like TJ Dillashaw at the end of uh, round one of the, the first time, of the first Cody Garbrandt fight. Uh, but worse, worse even than that. But again, even when those rare occasions come up for Minikoff, like he fucking comes out like a demon in the next round and fucking just beats his ass in every phase. <laughs> like boxing, clinch on the ground. Like takes his back. It's insane. Um, just beats his ass. Like it's, it's insane. So uh, I'm going to go with Minikoff, but you're telling me Chuck Congo can't land one of those counters, you know? And he is the most winningest heavyweight, I believe, technically in, in uh, Bellator history, so. But at the end of the day, I think Ryan Bader is going to have two Russians that aren't going to look. That's, I think that's the reason why he's calling for Tito and or Chael fights and shit like that. Because and I like Bader by the way because he's got he's probably going to have real dangerous Russians, which are tough styles matchups, you know. Um, 
I'm a big Nemkov guy, but I would dare say I may pick both to beat him, but I would dare say uh, Minikov is a tougher matchup, which I guess is not crazier because he's a heavyweight, but I think just stylistically because uh, even though Nemkov has submissions off his back and not that he can't wrestle or scramble, uh, Nemkov much more dangerous to fight on the feet for Bader, and Bader could still wrestle and ride Nemkov, I think, is still a pathway for him. Anyways, neither here nor there, but just, just kind of thinking out loud of the significance for that fight. All right, Roy Nelson versus Mirko Flipovic is a rematch. This should have happened, like, last year, but uh, I forget. Um, the Marshall Times was tough for Flipovic. Uh, um... Yeah, but he looks like he's on that good, good stuff with the doctors. So, uh, yeah, Flipovic looking like like prime Flipovic. Flipovic. Uh, we'll just leave it at that, I guess, right? We all we all know what that means. Uh, Roy Nelson looking right at Roy Nelson. According to his Instagram, looks like he eats better, but I don't, I don't know if we see the difference there. No offense, Roy. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of surprised such a big favorite, but I'm picking Mirko here. Um, he looks, needless to say, rejuvenated. I mean, uh, granted a lot of his fights against, you know, J Japanese guys in Japan, but going back and watching through, yeah, he, he looks rejuvenated enough to still do damage and still, uh, pump that left cross down the pipe and his left kicks to the body. Uh, always been a deceptive, uh, really strong guy in the clinch, hard to wrestle down. And that's going to be Roy's best shot. And Roy... That's not a bad, you know, this new iteration of Roy, in theory, isn't, isn't, isn't bad at all to win this fight if you're looking for a dog. But I just have a hard time depending on Roy. Uh, you know, um, I have a hard time. I guess, you know, if you just, you look at the body of work and stuff and some fights that you think should be more winnable. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's a hard guy to get a beat on. That's for damn sure. You know, Um yeah, he seems kind of pissed off, doesn't he? Like, it really seems like he doesn't, doesn't like the media, which I don't blame him, by the way. But just, you know, for a guy who's really into the market himself and this stage in his career, feels like being fan-friendly and media-friendly and market-yourself-friendly is really a no-brainer and the best move for you. But I don't know. I don't really get the friendliest vibe from, from, from Roy what he, what he puts out there. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. Hopefully he's he's in a good place because I feel like when Roy's in a good place, man, he's not gonna do the senseless. I guess, I guess that's the bridge that I'm trying to draw there. Uh, and uh, we'll see. Uh, definitely feel good for Roy if he pulls it together, but you know, uh, I'm gonna take Crow Cop in this one. All right. Uh, oh la, oh Eric Silva. All right. Eric Silva, underdog, plus 195 versus Yaroslav Amosov, minus 255 from Kiev, Ukraine. Yeah, Ukraine in the house. From Vavchenshin to Krylov to Amosov. Dude, I haven't watched much of this guy, to be honest, just his last Bellator fight, but I was super impressed when I saw it. Um, and you hear Chael kind of say the same things. I mean, he really is good everywhere. Wrestling, counter-wrestling, balance, scrambles. 
uh, straight shots, kicks, defense, range, feints, footwork. Uh, when he comes out of a scramble, striking off the break, following, staying pressure, staying in a guy's face by putting pressure on him, but by not putting himself exactly at risk. Like, just riding that fucking fine line of distance like a pro, like he's been doing it his whole damn time. And, and taking down a guy like, uh, showing off the wrestling, this guy like Gerald Harris, who is a a really strong wrestler, say what you will, and a guy who normally fights at middleweight. So, this guy doing that at welterweight, um, super impressive. Uh, he's got to be careful. Eric Silva's a very dangerous and dynamic submission artist. You can't say that about him, but Eric Silva, real consistent too. You know, that being said, Eric Silva also looks like he's back on the good, good. Seeing the good doctor, I mean, Jesus, he's looking jacked. He's just like posing off like with his uh, Brazilian babe with uh, his Brazilian mommy, like uh, like they're a bunch of models, which they look like it, believe me. I ain't hating. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, Silva's definitely on the good, good. Um, Good for you, Eric. So, you healthy, young, handsome son of a bitch. But I'm picking against you. I'm picking against you. Because this, this motherfucker, Yaroslav, looks like he could do it all. Yo, dog, Yaroslav, dog. So that's, 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 my, that's my imitation of King Mo saying his name. Which I, I, I was, oh, I'll ask King Mo to say his name next time he comes on. Because this guy, as well as Minikov, by the way, training an American top team, at least for this camp. So, that doesn't hurt. Sure. He's getting this fair look at Brazilian black belts there. Jiu-Jitsu black belts there. Yo, dog. Yo, that's alive, dog. Yo, that's alive's gonna... Headbutt the heather. Sorry, I have to bring that back. I love saying that. All right, and then last one on the main card for Bellator 216 is uh, Alexandra Balu, who's the, I believe is the Taekwondo girl. Oh, no, Valerie Loretta is the Taekwondo girl. Oh, oh no, versus uh, Colby Fletcher, uh, regional girl. Good-looking girl. Bellator doing their, uh, doing their thing with... Uh, you know, girls with accolades and uh, as well as talent. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Let's just say there's a. Uh, uh, you know, let's just say they're really sticking to that good, good-looking girl model. Let's just say they could be criticized for not having more Veda Ortegas of the world. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> we get it. We get it. I'm trying to be mean here, folks. Just saying, I know that I noticed that there's a trend. I noticed that there's a trend. All right, and again, I'm not going to go over any of these, um, any of these uh, prelim fights. So that's it. The only play for Bellator is a Sergey Kharitonov 1.5 unit for plus 100, and that's it. So uh, good luck if any. You got to be super degenerate to play Bellator. I don't like uh, betting Bellator, but. I'm giving it some more love, you know. Uh, they're doing things, and other media outlets, not just mine, seem to be recognizing that. And I want to be the same, you know. I, I was really won over by Bellator Hawaii, how they run things there, and uh, I can see why the fighters are happy because, uh, you know, after seeing how the Bellator brass and staff uh, run things there, they got a solid crew down there. So, excited to see what they do, and I'll be tuning in this weekend. Hopefully, you do too. Stay tuned. We'll be getting the. UFC on ESPN one right out to you within 48 hours of this dropping, and it'll be 48 hours before that card starts. So plenty of time to listen to all of it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll always protect the enemy.